I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Lee Lonsberry. But I have not always been known as Lee Lonsberry. I, there was a period of time when I was young, uh, junior high, early high school days, when in my backyard, I was the steward of 13 chickens. 13 chickens. My uh, farm grew, farm, come on, it was a, a chain link fence uh, uh, surrounding a utility shed. I used it as a chicken coop. Uh, I had 13 chickens. And it grew later to include two goats and two geese. But it was the chickens for which I was known. They called me Chicken Boy. Yeah. I'm self-conscious, as you well know and have picked up over this past year. I get worked up over everything. And so imagine uh, young Lee Lonsberry being called Chicken Boy for a few years. Uh, It wasn't until just a moment ago that I started to feel okay about being called Chicken Boy. Why? Uh, Well, I I was just informed that, uh, and you fans of Friends, you'll recognize this clip here. Uh, Bruce Willis was a, a guest on there. Was he Rachel's boyfriend or dad or something? Boyfriend for a time? Something. Uh, Anyway. Turns out that I wasn't the only one referred to as Chicken Boy. Here's uh, uh, something you might recognize. It was horrible. (laughs) They called me Chicken Boy. I'm wondering now. See, here's what I need to do. I need to track down the original air date of that episode, and I wonder if some little snot nose at my school when I was growing up saw that and just repurposed the nickname. Anyway. I am off uh, way on a tangent. Uh, do we have Sophia on the line? Is Sophia on there? Okay, good. Uh, I, I was reading the Deseret News uh, just yesterday, and I saw uh, w- what got me was the image, was the picture. And it is a beautiful setting. There's this uh, white chicken with some red comb uh, there on the, on her head and a, a little bit of waddle underneath her chin, and there's some puppy dogs on the other side of a fence. The sun is shining. Uh, but it reminded me of those days when I earned my nickname Chicken Boy. The headline of the piece by Sophia Jeremias is My Search for a Better Chicken. And as I read this, I realized, oh my gosh, Sophia's gone on quite a journey here and has uh, put together kind of a fascinating story. And so to uh, share her story, and I'd invite you too to go read this in its entirety there at Deseret.com, the headline, My Search for a Better Chicken. Uh, Sophia joins me now. Sophia, welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. you have any uh, high school nicknames you'd like to reveal on the program today? Uh, 
Um, you know, I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> they may be long forgotten or, or back way back in my head. Well, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, let those uh, <laughs> let those recede into uh, history forever forgotten. Uh, t- tell me about this piece of yours. You, you you started off cooking and you ended up traveling halfway across the state of Utah to a chicken farm. W- 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 give me the details in between. Yeah, so basically um, the, the background is that I was raised vegetarian for most of my life. I didn't start cooking meat until I was in my late 20s, or sorry, early 20s. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd always sort of grown up wondering, like, where did my food come from? Um, you know, my parents showed me maybe one too many factory farm movies when I was a pretty young kid. And so I had started buying chickens at the local farmer's market here. And it got me wondering sort of, well, what am I paying for? These chickens are pretty expensive. And I decided to go and visit a small farm in Vernal to see sort of what was going on with the chickens there. Outstanding. And so you you, did, you made the drive, you got on 40, you headed out east, and you made your way to Vernal. Uh, who'd you meet out there and what'd you learn? So I met Dale and Linda Batty, who are two farmers. Um, they raise not only chickens, but uh, llamas and uh, cows and pigs. And I have to admit, the way they raised their chickens looked pretty good to me. Uh, they had quite a bit of space to roam free. Um, you know, some of their egg-laying hens uh, were sick, and so Linda Batty was feeding them uh, keeper and milk. Um, and it was just a lot of open space. I think the way they were farming uh, is sort of the, the way that we hope our animals are raised. And it, it did make me feel pretty good about paying a little bit more for that. As you as you worked on this story, did you find what kind of differences there are? Uh, so when you when you pay a few extra dollars more, is it is it merely the you know the more I don't know comfortable situation in which these chickens are being raised, or wh- where's the money go? I mean, I think it's the the more comfortable situation, but also you know what Linda and Dale told me is there's just a lot more risks involved. You know, when they when they don't use antibiotics on their chickens, they might they might just end up dying, um, and they're more at risk to animals coming. They said one year an owl came and and took out seventy of their chickens. Uh, you know, the other thing is just that it takes a lot of time. Dill and Linda they they move their chickens uh, to different parts of the land uh, so that the the soil is. Um, sort of, I guess, chicken-tilled, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's exactly the right word for it. And so Sounds it's just a lot of, it's a lot more, e- yeah, it's a, it's a lot more effort. Um, it's a lot more time. And uh, they are just two people. And they have some some friends and some family that help out, but it's a pretty small operation. The the, the disparity in price between you know what you see pra- packaged wholesale on the shelf in the grocery store uh, compared to you know something you might describe as farm fresh or locally uh, range for whatever uh, the, the disparity in price is in the chicken sense it is emblematic of something uh, much larger, and it is that you know you go to the the, the farmers market. And you you're buying some vegetables or some fruits, and you look at and, you, and meats, uh, and you think how how is it that that by cutting out the middleman uh, and, and eliminating what you know seemingly might be some of this overhead, how, how these uh, prices go up, and it, and it comes down to to margins and mitigating that loss you mentioned with the antibiotics, the the way the 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 big producers do. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely a tough question. Um, you know, I think even a few dollars, you know, can mean a lot to some people. And I think it's 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 one of the big questions I think we will have going forward is how how can we, you know, raise animals in a way that is perhaps more ethical, you know, better for people, better for farmers, but also being uh, conscious of those price differences that, that do make a lot of it, I think, out of reach and, and untainable for, for many Americans. How about you? What uh, were your big takeaways from this uh, event? Do you think you'll find yourself with a dozen or so chickens in your own backyard sometime? You know, I, I do think that if if I had a backyard, I would definitely be tempted to to get some chickens. But I think my, my landlord would be a bit upset with me if I started raising them in my apartment. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what, set, set it as a goal. Uh, I know I got picked on when I was in high school with those uh, chickens. I, I lived on Main Street uh, in my little city and was able to, with a little bit of chain link fence and, uh, and a woodshed out back, put together a coop and raise uh, about a dozen chickens. And I, I know I took a lot of heat for it, but I did learn about responsibility. And, uh, you know, when it came time to, to feed the family, I was able to do that. And there is, uh, you know, there is a certain measure of, uh, of self-reliability that, uh, that makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're standing a little bit taller. Uh, so, so folks listening, there is a kind of a trend right now of having some backyard chickens, uh, and I am 100% supportive of that trend, trend. So hop on that bandwagon if you have the opportunity. Sophia, thank you for your work here. Thank you for your writing. I'll invite folks again to make their way over to uh, Deseret.com. Read this uh, article by Sophia Jeremias, the headline, My Search for a Better Chicken. Uh, she goes on a fascinating journey, learns a lot, and you can learn yourself by reading this article. Sophia, thanks again. Thanks so much. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a, a break here in just a, a moment or so. To wrap up the program, I'm going to dedicate the, the final half hour of today's show to a question that just jumped into my head the other day. And it was, as I was looking back over this year of COVID-19, the pandemic that we have battled together, I got thinking about social media. I got thinking about uh, our reliance on social media and how it has become or it's rather taken on a new role in our lives. My question is, I've put this on, well, social media, and I'll put it to you as well. Has social media been a net negative or positive in our battle against COVID-19? Has social media been a net negative or positive in our battle against COVID-19? We'll have that discussion, you and me, next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.